thank you sean for uh, reading from the scripture i don't know if uh, uh, you were paying attention while sean was reading because if you were then the words of jesus might have stunned you the way that it stunned his disciples um you know last sunday ravant uh, brother spoke about the deity of christ who was jesus really now after uh, probably 2 years of public ministry jesus was ready to ask his disciples this central question and that is who do you think i am he first asked them who do others say i am but eventually he asked them but who do you think i am and the answer in mark chapter 8 which is starting from verse 27 onwards that shawn read for us has come to be known as peter's confession because peter uh, on behalf of the rest of the disciples he answers jesus's question so chapter 8 uh, of mark verse 27 onwards this is how we read and jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of uh Caesarea Philippi and on the way he asked his disciples who do people say that I am and they told him John the Baptist and the others say Elijah and others one of the prophets and he asked them but who do you say that I am Peter answered him you are the Christ after 2 years of watching Jesus do miracles and there are quite a few just in the previous passage as well and hearing Jesus preach Peter came to a point where he was willing to confess he was willing to admit that Jesus was the anointed one the chosen one the sent one Christ or Messiah yet it became very quickly apparent that Peter did not even understand the implication of his own confession of his own statement see Peter was a Jew and as a Jew he would ex- expected that the Messiah would come and deliver them politically that he would be a victorious general and he would have expected that together with the rest of the disciples that they would rule with Jesus in his new kingdom as earthly rulers instead Jesus bursts Peter's bubble he tells them that he is going to die there was this unexpressed misconception right but jesus being god in human flesh he knew their hearts and he goes on to correct that in absolutely clear terms right he doesn't leave it ambiguous at all he corrects their misconception it's from verse 31 onwards and let's listen to this carefully he then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders chief priests and teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after 3 days rise again he spoke plainly about this and peter took him aside and began to rebuke him right uh it's it's a very strong word you know peter castigated him peter spoke strongly to him but turning when jesus turned and looked at his disciples he rebuked peter get behind me satan you do not have in mind the things of god but the things of man do you, do you realize that that even in peter's confession you know there was this aspect of things of man and not things of god what a warning what a warning then he called the crowd right so he calls the rest and along with his disciples he tells them if anyone would come after me he must deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. See, not only does Jesus contradict all of Peter's expectations about who this is going to be, but what Jesus says has significant implications in terms of what it means to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus. And that is what Jesus is going to continue to talk about in this next paragraph. He will talk about what it really means to be, to live, and to die as a disciple in the kingdom of God. So with that background, let us look at this key statement made by Jesus to define the meaning of being his follower or of being his disciple. These were chilling words for the disciples when they heard it. They never expected that this is what it meant, you know, when they were following the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore ought to be heard with much attention as well for us. You know, I was just thinking that if we were to do a poll, uh, you know, we, we do these things often in CBF. If we were to do a poll in CBF and ask this one question, are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? My guess is that majority would say yes. But do you and I understand the implication of saying that we are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Right? If we were to evaluate it by the same definition as what Jesus says, right? where do we stand? Would we then say the same thing? Right? Or like Peter, are we saying something without really understanding the meaning, the implication of what we are saying when we say that we are followers or disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's uh, see what is Jesus' definition of being his disciple. And as we read this, may the Lord help each of us to evaluate ourselves against that call, right, that the Lord is laying out for all of his disciples. Here's Jesus' invitation to discipleship. If anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. In some versions, if anyone desires to come after me, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And it is my prayer as we look at this one statement and as we break it down, it will be the very words of Jesus that we'll be trying to understand and uh, open up. Yeah. Um, the first part. So we look at it uh, uh, part by part. If anyone desires to come after me, you see, there is an open invitation to all, you know, to men, women, young, old, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, irrespective of country, caste, color. The Lord Jesus Christ is giving out an invitation to all. That's why he called everybody else, right? It wasn't just his disciples. He, he just called everybody else. And he said that, look, this is not just for these 12. I'm giving an invitation to everyone. If anyone desires to come after me. John 3.16 also, whoever believes in him, that's God's invitation, an open invitation to anyone who is willing Right? The Lord elsewhere said, come unto me, all you who labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a beautiful invitation to all to follow him. An invitation to everyone, an invitation to follow in Jesus' footsteps. But there, you see, is also a choice, an individual choice. If, if, right, there is that one decision that a person needs to make, right? Whoever, if 
there is a choice which is an individual choice so jesus called out to each of his disciples individually you know one by one he said follow me and each of them we know responded to that call they left their nets they left the uh, toll collection booth uh, or the political group that they were part of whatever they were pursuing at that point in time they left that and made an individual choice to follow the lord jesus christ we also see here that there is uh, and it's not an invitation to just try jesus out right like a lot of times we hear right try jesus it's it's not an invitation to just try jesus out you know what jesus is saying is that if you would desire right there is a deep desire there's a choice there is a there is a passion that the lord is expecting our desires our passions are things which give us greatest joy in life and that is what jesus is asking for he's saying that if you truly desire if this is the one thing that you want then i invite you to come after me that is what the lord is calling to nate bramson in his book what if jesus meant what he said he says like this about this deep desire or passion he says if we consider following christ a task rather than the treasure if we consider following christ a task rather than the treasure we are missing the joy and fullness of the gospel we weren't created to win a game invented by a higher power where winners go to heaven and losers go to hell we are called into an intimate and eternal relationship with a holy and infinitely beautiful god who revealed himself to us in the person of his son in fact uh, i have borrowed a lot of uh, uh, things for this sermon from nate's book what if jesus meant what he said because he uses this verse as the key verse for his book if you have not read it i would highly recommend you to read that book task versus a treasure right a desire a deep passion if anyone desires to come after me that's how jesus starts off and then jesus goes on to say let him deny himself now what does that mean it's not talking about denying ourselves just things in general of course there could be a part of that to play as well but that's not the core focus no no it's not a call for asceticism it's not uh, how some people during certain periods in the year uh, they let go of certain habits or certain things that they like uh, in order to please god this is not what the verse is talking about it's talking about denial of our very self to deny myself says that i say no to my very self i say that i will not live for myself i will not pursue my goals my ambitions my desires to deny myself is to say i am not on the throne of my life it is to dethrone myself because that's how we live that's how we've always lived right it's been about us but to deny himself to deny oneself is to dethrone ourselves from our life and to say that it's not about me from now on you know there's got to be that point in life from where we say from now on you are the lord of my life christ is on the throne of my life so we dethrone ourselves and enthrone jesus and from there on it's going to be all about him i will not live for myself but i will live for god and i will pursue his goals so my goals go away 
and I start seeking his goals, his ambition for my life, his desires. It is that's the reason why we pray, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, when Jesus was praying in Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. You know, this is what it was that dethroning oneself and enthroning God and his desires and his ambitions and his plans. And to let his will be done in our lives, we need to know his will. There is no way that we will be able to let God's will happen in our lives if we don't know it, which means we have to go to the source of knowing God's will. We have to read, study God's word and apply it daily in our lives, uh, the way the Lord teaches in every single age. It's a daily journey of letting God's word frame every area of our life, right? To be able to see it from that lens, to see life, to see every decision, every aspect of our life from the lens of God's word. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and therefore they follow me. We can't follow Jesus if we don't train ourselves daily to hear his voice in the midst of the busy, buzzing things that surround us, right? The noise that is constantly around us, the things that constantly try to influence us. We won't be able to hear and know his will and let him be enthroned if we don't spend time in God's word. So to deny yourself is to say no to the very core of your being and to replace it with saying yes to God, dethroning ourselves, enthroning God, and to do all of that through the framing of God's word, through the lens of God's word. Uh, and for, for me, especially, you know, this continues to be a daily walk, a daily struggle, right? Uh, sometimes uh, weekly, sometimes even daily, I have to remind myself that, uh, Jerry, this is, this is, this is you thinking, this is your desire, this is your ambition, this is not perhaps what God wants and to go back to the Lord and to ask him uh, and, and no matter what the cost for that change, you know, to be able to say, yes, Lord, I want to in this area, put myself down and uh, put you up and, and to enthrone you because this is what I see you reveal about this area in my life through your word. But, you know, I I don't want to use examples about myself because for each of us, we got to evaluate what does this denying ourselves, what is the implication of that for each of our lives to live a life that is fully dependent on Jesus, one in which we are not pursuing our own goals, but his goals, his ambitions and his desires. If you were to just take a moment and evaluate our lives, can we truly say that in my life, God is enthroned and he's running it? Or is it we who are running it? Will we deny ourselves? Right? That's a question uh, before us. And then the uh, Lord Jesus went on to say, so he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Take up his cross. Uh, the parallel passage uh, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 it helps us by adding a word, take up cross daily. The cross was a well-known instrument of execution and death. 
Jesus had said that he was going to die. We read that a little after. And uh, evidently, so must his disciples. So Jesus is speaking about the same uh, kind of, uh, he's using the same symbolism and he's telling his disciples as well that you must take up your cross too. Say that Jesus saved us from the cross, right? But here Jesus is speaking about taking up the cross daily as well. That's an important aspect that we need to understand too. What does it mean to take up the cross daily? It means that you and I must daily live out the fact that you and I do not live for ourselves, that we are no longer central in our lives, that we have died and that we now live to God. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 is a beautiful verse which explains this, uh, what this is all about. Galatians 2 20, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have been crucified and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know, there is a willing choice. This is not about suffering that just comes to us, but this is a willing choice, right? Because you take up your cross willingly and it's, it's tough conscious decisions daily that might be painful. Yeah. And it would impact every area of our life, right? From our corporate life to our relationships, to our finances, and the list can just go on. Uh, what does that look like for each of us is something that we need to think through. Carrying the cross might mean that we don't do things the way others do. And that might bring us reproach. It, it might, uh, you know, um, people might mock us for it. Uh, maybe our, we, we might not grow the way that other people would grow in their corporate career. Carrying the cross in our relationships might mean that we might have to uh, cut off some relationships which are not God-honoring, where God is not enthroned right, where we were enthroned and we take that off and we enthrone God and, and we have to think through those relationships. Maybe there are some activities that we'll have to let go of and all of that might cause pain, it might cause hurt, it may also cause misunderstanding. Carrying the cross in our finances might mean forsaking comforts, forsaking conveniences which we could very easily afford but we let go of those for the sake of the gospel. So the list can go on. It is not for me to tell you, right? But for each of us to decide what is the cross that Jesus is calling us to bear. But we must not confuse uh, the suffering or the of the cross with the suffering of storms in life. You know, it's not this chronic back pain that we say, oh, this is the cross that God has given me to bear. Right? This cross is referring to the suffering that we willingly choose to take up because we are following him. And this cross will be visible. You know, there is no such thing as a hidden cross. Following Christ might be a personal decision, but it is definitely not a private decision. Right? People will get to see uh, the consequences of, uh, of our choice of following the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in our uh, CBF logo, there are those words written, salt and light. And it's from Jesus' words speaking about how we ought to be. Now, salt and light are felt and seen very clearly. And Jesus goes on to say, if not, they are of no use. If the light is not seen and if the salt doesn't have flavor, it is of no use at all. 
our our faith and we being a disciple of the lord jesus christ ought to be visible and we also need to remind ourselves that no sacrifice is too great when compared to what christ has done for us a true disciple never feels that oh i made such a big sacrifice for the lord a true disciple always is conscious that what the in comparison to what god has done for me and in comparison to the glory that awaits us no sacrifice is too great if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me you notice that jesus doesn't tell his disciples the destination he doesn't say where he's taking them he merely tells them to follow him he is the destination christ is the one and only the greatest pursuit of a true disciple it's not about the things that we can do for him it is about following him it's a single minded focus a passion a desire a purpose in life you know it's like how david and and mary and paul were going after one thing uh if we read for I'll, i'll read these three verses for you psalm 27:4 one thing i ask from the lord one thing i ask from the lord this only do i seek that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the lord and to seek him in his temple that was the one thing that david was after to seek god in luke 10:42 jesus commends mary's attitude and he says one thing is necessary he's telling martha one thing is necessary and mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her and what was mary doing seeking the lord at his feet paul in philippians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 philippians 3 13 and 14 brothers and sisters i do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it and what is he talking about one thing i do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead i press on towards the goal to win the prize for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus one pursuit single minded focus one thing jesus said follow me have your and my ambitions our goals our destinations changed after we chose to become a disciple of the lord jesus christ you know when somebody sees a disciple of the lord if they get to talk and know that person closely they will say that this person is after something else this person's ambition this person's goal this person's destination you know that is something else this person is not after the things that we are after christ is the one and only greatest pursuit of a true disciple what does my monthly income expense statement show about my greatest pursuit where i spend my money will show where my priorities lie what do my career choices show about my greatest pursuit what does the way i think about my future spouse the way i go about deciding whom to marry tell me about my greatest pursuit and maybe closer home what does my daily schedule the way that it's laid out tell about 
my greatest pursuit? What do we spend most of our time on? Christ is the one and only greatest pursuit of a true disciple. Is he your greatest pursuit? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself daily. Take up his cross and follow me. Now, there's a big difference between intellectual acceptance of who Jesus is and true commitment. And there's a big difference between just knowing it in our head and actually committing and following him as his disciple. Um, when Joby was uh, sharing from John 3.16, he spoke to us about the difference between believe and believe into. So the root word in John 3.16, whoever believes in, because there is no better translation, that's what translators have used, actually, because otherwise it sounds grammatically incorrect, right? Believe into, but, but that's a better translation, whoever believes into. It's about a complete reliance, basing your life completely on that one truth that you believe into. And there was an illustration that was forwarded in our uh, church groups. And I thought that was a beautiful uh, way of demonstrating the difference between belief and believing into or committing or trusting. Uh, it speaks about a tightrope walker, a person, uh, you know, and he started to walk on a rope tied between two tall towers. He was walking slowly, balancing a long stick in his hands, and he had his son on his shoulders while he was doing that. Everyone on the ground was watching him with bated breath. A very tense environment, obviously, because it's not just him, but his child on his shoulders. And he slowly reached the second tower. Everyone clapped. He got off. You know, they whistled. They welcomed. You know, there was the whole uh, shaking of hands and high fives and selfies. So he asked the crowd, do you think I can go all over to the other side from here? And the crowd shouted, yes, we believe. Do you trust me? Yes, we trust you. Are you ready to bet on me? Yes, we are ready to bet on you. Okay. Can any of you give one of your child and I will take that child on my shoulder and walk over to the other side? What do you think would have happened? This complete silence. There's a big difference between intellectual acceptance, belief, and commitment. Trusting Christ is not about a profession of faith. Yes, it starts there, but it's about a life of faith. If that profession is true, it will be seen in a daily uh, life. It will be seen in everyday living. And it's not about how much faith you and I have, but put our faith on. You can have great faith on thin ice, but that will not keep you from falling. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, I know whom I have believed. 2 Timothy 1.12 I know whom I have believed. Yes, in many places Paul speaks about what he's believed in as well. But he says that my faith and my life is based on the person. I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Every individual in life lives you know, even atheists have put their faith in something, either money or success 
or in the belief of of the, how the system works or how the world works or in the goodness of humanity we hear all of these things right people base their lives on something even if they don't consciously think about it that is their faith what is your and my faith what is your and my life dependent on who do you and i believe if it is the lord jesus christ it will be a belief into it will be seen in a commitment it will be seen in daily living if anyone desires to come after me the lord jesus is calling us to put our trust in him with our deepest desire and passion to follow him for the rest of our lives a call to full commitment you know following jesus means we will stop pursuing other things because jesus said no one can serve two masters no one can serve two masters if we think that all god is expecting from us if we think that all god expects from us is to raise our hands and and one day say you know a certain prayer and attend meetings regularly and just give offerings and tithe if we think that that there is all that is all that there is to it then we have gotten it completely wrong you know jesus is making that absolutely clear here when he says what it means to be his disciples remember only disciples are in heaven in the uh, in what is known as the great commission when the lord jesus christ uh, told his disciples this were among his last words before he went up to heaven in matthew chapter 28 towards the end we read go therefore and make disciples of all nations you know it wasn't about just making uh, people to intellectually believe in something right he didn't say go and make converts go and make disciples so for that you and i first need to become a disciple you and i need to come to that point of confessing our sin our separateness from god our need for a savior and we need to make that a uh, profession of faith that yes christ died for our sins on the cross and to start that commitment to him to accept him as the lord of our life right not just the savior but the lord of our life and then we must live as a disciple daily denying ourselves daily taking up our cross and living uh as if we have been crucified and as if god is living in and through us and this belief will be seen in a transformed life as we read in romans chapter 12 it will be seen in a renewed mind in a renewed thinking which will be then seen in a transformed life that we consciously daily offer up our lives offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice in a way that is holy and pleasing to god and that will be visible let's not say any more that my faith is between me and god no our faith will be visible to those around jesus said you will recognize them by their fruits and if those close to close to you are pointing out that that faith is not being visible right that you are not showing signs of growing in the just to wake up seek our heart before the lord and ask ourselves you know have i truly become a disciple of the lord in the way that he has defined in the way that he has so clearly spoken of we might be coming to church since the time that we were small or we might be new we might have started coming recently but this is an important thing you know for each of us to ask right uh let us not uh just be satisfied uh and fool ourselves in thinking you know uh, or considering ourselves or giving ourselves a label of being a believer 
what the lord wants is a disciple wants is that the repentance uh, is seen in a life of full commitment towards him the life of a disciple uh, shall we bow down our heads and uh, close this time in prayer and as we do that let us tell the lord that yes lord i want to be someone who comes after you i desire that lord i want that to be the deepest desire the deepest passion of my life the one thing that i want to pursue is you and lord i will deny myself lord i will dethrone myself and enthrone you in my life and i will do that by framing each day and each decision through your word oh lord i will take up my cross daily whatever be the cost oh lord i am willing to pay to pursue you oh lord i will follow you may the lord help us to be a church of disciples of followers of pursuers of the lord jesus christ our master and may he help us to do it in the way that he has shown our gracious heavenly father oh lord we come before you o master lord hearing your words so clearly oh lord we pray lord that you would help each of us to be true disciples to be true followers oh lord may we not fool ourselves just king that we know things and that's enough oh lord and just living our lives the way we want but keeping ourselves as the lord of our lives oh lord father help us help us to know what it truly means lord may none of us here lord just live thinking that they are your disciples but never truly understanding the cost of that or the implication of that oh lord help us lord even as we go from here oh lord and and even as lord through the week we think through these things lord and or as we discuss in our cell groups oh lord help us to understand the practical implications evaluate our lives lord not on the basis of culture not on the basis of of uh, of what we have seen in churches or on the basis of what we see in others lives but on the basis of your word lord help us to evaluate and change on the basis of of what you expect from us help us to follow you with all our heart in jesus name we pray amen